And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 94 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. I'm Brian. Hey, everybody. Howdy. Long time no podcast. I know, right? Yes. It's been a whole 13 hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's not... They don't know that unless you say it. Well, I'm saying it so that I can say, hey, in the back half of the episode, we've got Jeremy Whitley on. Yeah, we do. It's true. We recorded that conversation last night. It was a lot of fun. Super fun. Yeah. Even if I was nigh incoherent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a point I look over and Alex is just kind of like glazed over and Jen's got her eyes closed and I'm like, what are you two doing? No, like I was listening. I was trying to focus on listening instead of the pain in my head. I know, I know. <laughs> I had such a migraine last night, but I was just, I was trying real hard to be pumped because I was so excited. I was. Very it was excited. very. It was very. <laughs> it did go very well, even if even if I am very hard on myself. Uh, so stick around, listen to that, and because of that, and we talked a little, right around an hour. Uh, we're gonna try to keep this first sharp, this first half of the show tighter, so we don't run two yes. hours long. Yay. So in two hours, when you're done listening, you can laugh at me for having said that. <laughs> That's Julian. No, I'll just I'll keep pointing at you guys if you're being too long-winded, and then I'll just take as much time as I need. So yeah. you're just gonna keep one finger pointed at me the whole time? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just need to get one of those foam fingers and mount it on an extra <laughs> mic stand with a, with a clamp and just twist it. Yeah. <laughs> Just wily coyote. It. <laughs> nice. You uh, you can get one of the flagman signs from road construction crews and just swap it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. See, so, also, if you had one right now, it stop. would be pointed at me. <laughs> I was just about to point at you. So there we go. Swap thing winner special number one, motherfuckers. <laughs> Great. Start with an 80-page giant book. <laughs> to, to, We're definitely not going to be long-winded about our... this one. It was very good. It was. So uh, the the first story is, is a new story by Tom King, and it was, oh my god, it was Tom King, and it was really good. Yeah. Imagine that, motherfucker. Yeah. I don't know how you can... Just, I don't You know either. what? I almost hate him because of it. <laughs> oh, so now you're getting to where Mike is. Yes. No. <laughs> Good, because nobody else needs to be where Mike is. No, he can have that spot. Um, Although yeah. he probably didn't like this because they talked about the Saints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Specifically them winning, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. But. It's, it's probably it, actually. Um, <laughs> so in this one, you have Swamp Thing. Uh, you don't even know what's happened, really. Even at the end of it, you don't even really know what's happened. You just know that he's caring for this child that is lost in a snowstorm. Yes. And because of the snowstorm and him being kind of disconnected from the green, he, like, can't remember things that previously happened. Right. So the kid is kind of telling him what happened, but he doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've been fighting this snow monster thing. Right, that you assume is what's generating this winter. Yeah. 
frozen snow thing. Yeah. Yeah. And because he's this big, loving, caring individual that he is, um, he's he's giving up parts of himself. He is sacrificing himself for this kid to keep this kid alive. And it's just a really heartbreaking thing to watch. Yeah. You also get this this motif that returns throughout it where he will come across people or animals or whatever that are threats and that are being driven mad by, you know, endangered or driven mad or whatever by this snowstorm. And all he can do is put them down and he has to make this promise that, you know, I will, when I have my powers back, I will find you in the green and I will help you back home. I I have to send you the long way around. Right. Which is similarly kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And speaking, uh, there's a panel where he does this to an animal. It's one of my favorite art, as far as the art goes, panels, is when he's got the bear like that. Yeah. And so, speaking of art, like, Jason, is it Fabok or Fabok? I've always heard Jason said Fabok, okay. but I don't, I don't know. However you pronounce his name, he can draw Swamp Thing forever. Yes. We're, we're bad at names in this show, guys. Yes. But he can draw Swamp Thing forever, because mm-hmm. this is gorgeous. I, I, like, just, I, I, I This is exactly how I want Swamp Thing to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All of the twisty, tangly awesomeness with, like, not-so-dense backgrounds. Yeah. It's really, it's a great contrast. It's beautiful. It is. It, it kills is. me. And then, are we spoiling this? Are we not spoiling this? I mean, it's we always spoil things, That's don't true. we? That's true. We so we're going to spoil it. Yeah. So spoilers. Um, the fucking kid is the monster, yo. Not cool, man. Yeah. So that, like, I almost I almost cried. Thanks, Tom King. I almost cried for this book. <laughs> He's never made to do that before, has he? Oh, wait. Yeah. No, no, no. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. Uh-uh. Well, definitely not every every other book you read of his. Mm-mm. Once in Vision. And I definitely don't have to say the words Batman Annual Number 2 out loud. You suck. Okay, fine. <laughs> and there's the tears. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that Pavlovian, but still. <laughs> but no, so he you know, determines that this kid, even though he can't remember, he knows that it's been a long time and shouldn't be this long. So basically he kind of deduces that it, the kid is what's causing this. And so he has to do what he does not want to do. And yeah. 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 And and there's this real big moment where you're not sure if it's just him being driven crazy by his, by being disconnected from the green for so long. You don't know if it's actually going to be that the kid was the monster or not. Well, but then after he comes out of this, you basically come right back out to the point that you left. So you're not even sure if this whole thing really happened. Right. Yeah. There is one clue that the kid is the monster. Well, that he melts? Other than that. Like in the, <laughs> the foot. Before Swamp Thing makes the decision. The foot? The foot. Yeah. 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 He has to amputate the kid's foot, and then the kid's foot is back. Yeah. Yeah, when he stood up, I was like, now hold on. Yeah. Something's tricky here. <laughs> Something isn't quite right. Yeah. But I, I, I almost got, I mean, this whole thing you could easily take as a metaphor for... Uh, you know, basically sacrificing yourself to save something that you know isn't good for you or know isn't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. very Doctor Who kind it of. It was, was very Doctor yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah. 
It's good. Like like good Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. Let's stipulate that. Yes. Uh, and then the other half of this is the last Swamp Thing story that mm-hmm. Lin Wayne ever wrote, uh, which was supposed to be the first part of a miniseries, a follow up to the miniseries from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they decided to go ahead and get Kelly Jones to draw it, and the whole thing is drawn and inked and colored but it's not lettered there's a letter from the editor ahead of these pages that basically says nobody writes these stories like lynn none of us could script it the way he could so we're just going to give you the pages and his script and not even not even try which i think was yeah a good yeah. Call. yeah it was so really it's, beautiful. it's almost like the director's cut if you've read yeah. one of those director's cuts yeah. where they have like you know the the writers layouts and those kind of things yeah. i uh used some amazon gift cards i had scrolled away to order the swamp thing bronze age omnibus nice and have been reading some of the lynn wayne bernie wrightson issues and like it is a true statement it is obviously a piece from an early like it is it obviously is a piece that came out in the 60s 70s mm-hmm. it feels like a noir in the way a noir should feel dated but it doesn't itself read like it's dated. It reads like it is of a specific style. Right. It's of a style yeah. and, and of an age, not like bad because it's yeah. You would that, not right? see yeah. this comic published exactly like this today, but its style does not hold it back from being good. It, it ages well, essentially. Yeah. Um, it, it and this also led me to a conclusion of who my Dream Swamp Thing team would be. Brubaker, Phillips, Brightweiser. Oh, shit. That would be really cool to see. Yeah. Like, just give... It doesn't even have to be an ongoing... It can be a six-issue, 12-issue run. Just give me a tight, noir, character-driven... It's funny. Swamp thing from them. You know, it's funny. I agree with you, but it hit me similarly. But I did not think of Swamp Thing when I thought of them. I thought of Dead Man. I mean, let's be honest. At some level, there's a whole class of yeah, of 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 that kind of mystery of that kind of mysterious yeah. sort of dark character who also deals a lot in yeah. first person narration. Yes, fair enough. Um, so I think that would absolutely work too. But this was a segment on Swamp Thing. I know. <laughs> and now we're talking about Mother Panic Batman number one. Ooh. We are. We are. Milk Wars Part Two. Yeah. Electric Milkaloo. Electric. <laughs> you made it. I don't know how you made it worse. He does, though. But you made it worse. It's his superpower. That, that is one of the backlogger's many powers. It is one Look, of his I have superpowers a very, to make things worse. I have a very particular set of skills getting people to buy and read more comics than they want to and making things worse. Sometimes. Or weird. Because we know trying. he does the weird stuff. <laughs> he does the weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good book. Mm-hmm. I thought so. It was. Did you? Did you guys? I enjoyed enjoy it a it? lot. Very, very I'm, much. I'm reading Mother Panic. I've obviously been reading Batman, but this is, I think, if you have not been reading Mother Panic, yeah, this is the perfect kind of introduction, jumping on mm-hmm. introduction point. It gives you yeah. everything you need to know about where the character's been. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time you, you've you seen Batman on panel in that book, but this is the first time you really get them dealing with each other, acknowledging mm-hmm. with each other. And I love the way that 
this issue so smartly makes Batman a symbol of everything that is bad in Mother Panics, in Violet's life, life. Yeah. in her history. Yes, in her creation story, sort yeah, of. Like there, there are sort of two sides of the same coin, and mm-hmm. for one, it's a way he gets through his trauma by bringing people in and always having a Robin to lighten him up and all that. And for the other, it's the cause of her trauma being turned into a hero, being turned into a weapon, being, you know, having her childhood taken away. And she sees it would be reasonable that if they just met, she'd have that problem with him. Oh yeah. But this takes it and exaggerates it to such an extreme, yes. absurd extreme that, Welcome to Young Animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just like the uh, the Doom Patrol jail, it, it, this is very clearly a mother panic book that Batman is in. Yes, yeah. So I, th- yep. that seems to be what this Milk Wars is very much going to be the Young Animal books with the others guest starring, right? Which is I'm perfectly good with. Absolutely, especially if they're as well done as this one was. Oh yeah, yeah. Also, that bat crucifix was super creepy. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it was yes, very it cool, was. though. Um, at, but oh, I, the more the more I see of her in books, the more I like her mother too. Yes, which oh, Violet's mother's great. We get a little bit of a tease at the end of this issue, and maybe this is light spoilers. When Mother Panic returns, Mother Panic returns to ten years in the future. Yeah. So you get that conversation between Violet and her mother on, well, you'll see me again, but that doesn't mean I'll see you. Yeah, that was ominous. So maybe don't get too attached, Brian. I know. I, I know. I do know that. Hey, you like this character? <laughs> yeah, Welcome to comics, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, the other was was the introduction of the girl. Yeah. Yeah, Finnick Fox. Finnick Fox. Finnick Fox, yes. That kid, she's something else. <laughs> yeah, I, we have not seen the last of her. Oh, I doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the—it's that same idea. The, the right. idea of Violet having to deal with a kid wanting her life that mm-hmm. she so much wishes she could she, let go of. Yeah, that she didn't have. Right, is going to I think be a good source of, of conflict for her. Something that maybe grounds her more. I've enjoyed mother panic a lot, but a lot of the series so far has been, has been about getting her history out there. Not so much about building her as a character going right, forward. Right. Correct. Which you have to do. You have to establish who she is. She's a mm-hmm. new character, all that. But I think this is a great way to build that out going forward and build it. Leveraging that history. Agreed. Yeah, this felt like a good, like, like I I got a fair amount of her backstory and knew the character yeah. pretty much immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's just, you can't grow a character without relationships. I mean, it just, yeah. yeah, something, whether it whether it's with a villain, whether it's with a sidekick, whether it's with another superhero, you have to have some sort of relationship where there's no, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some gas in the tank. Exactly. I'm going to have to get a poster of Milky Batman. Father, Father Batman. Batman. Father, 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 Father Bruce. Father Bruce. <laughs> I need all the Robins fighting <laughs> fighting Violet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was terrifying. That was great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, far, Milk Wars is two for two. And then we yep. get our, our next two-page backup of Eternity Girl. Yes, this time nodding to Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, that backup was real good. Yes, it was. I cannot wait to read this I'm so series. Excited. Yeah. And I cannot hide it. No, nope. oh, no, I'm not going there. I am starting to lose control, <clears throat> and I think I like it. Good for you, oh, man. Of you do. Good yep. for you. Hey, Green Arrow, Brian. Green Arrow. Oh my God. Okay, thirty-seven. So, <laughs> this book has been building and building and building, and um, I didn't mention the last issue, but we had a we had a very heart-stopping moment for me at the end of the last issue. I was not happy. Oh no! Shall we say? Oh no! Um, and um. I'm not going to spoil yet. I will do that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, this is the culmination of a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, Oliver and dealing with his past and his family and all of the the hate that has come toward him and on everything. And this is kind of that final summation yeah. of that. Um, We're nearing the end of Ben Percy's run. Yeah, but. coming out of this oh, no. one is his trial. Um, he's been accused of killing someone, uh, as the reader, we know that she's alive. I mean, this is not, it's not spoiler. That's been, we've been doing this for like eight or 10, eight issues or something now. Um, but he is on trial for her murder. Um, since there's been so many issues, can you say who it is? Uh, it's like, I think think her name is Olivia Poole is the person. It's no, it's no, no big, this is not a, this is just from this story. It's not a, yeah. Um, but so the next thing is the trial, and I think that's going to really end. I think that's probably where Percy's run is going to probably. I know come that in close. April, there's a new team on the book. Yeah. So. Yep. So, uh, but super, super excited. All right, now I'm going to go into uh, some at least some light spoilers. Um, so at the end of the last issue, Emmy gets shot. <laughs> So they bank on the thing that the CW does so very often, and they're like, let's kill the sister for yeah. a minute. Well. <laughs> oh, oh no. Let's just say there's Oliver and his father and mother and that side of the family. Mm-hmm. And then there's Emmy and her mother and that side of the family. And someone from that side of the family does, well, actually someone from each side of the family doesn't make it out. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, moms. So, we'll see. <laughs> have fun with that. Yeah. Well, damn it, now I have to read it. I know. It's so, so good. Um, I know, and Al, I, Alex, because he's read some of the trades now to catch up. I, this did get off, this series, this whole Ben Percival, got off to a little bit of a rough start. Well, um, I think only in as much as it started with a kind of story that, exa- regardless of right. the character, I, like, it's, a, it's a common thing in Batman. Just, mm-hmm. I never... And an expert. I never enjoy the let's go hang out with the sewer people. Right. right. And yeah. and it was like when we were reading it, it was good, but it was the same story I've read thirty times over. Yeah. The yeah. same Green Arrow story that I've read. And it then, does differentiate. And then I itself. told you guys right. right after you left, I said, Oh right. no, it's getting exactly. better. Oh no, it now it's happen. really, really good. And I bought the trade. <laughs> and you did. And, <laughs> and was I right? To buy the trades. You were. I've uh-huh. said it before, Brian. <laughs> I know. But my point is it has continued. Like like he has made this run into something that I think will be well remembered yeah. as a very, very positive Green Arrow run for a it long is, time. It is very good. Yeah. Cool. All right. 
How about those Avengers, Brian? Six seventy nine. Uh, so yeah, this is this is still our no surrender weekly Avengers, and I got to tell you a couple things. One, I'm really digging this weekly book. Yeah, I love the fact that I don't have to wait. Uh, and here's the thing: I know how much I complain about bi-weekly books, um, but they weren't written to be, in my opinion, bi-weekly. Like it wasn't like something where the story was something that you had to keep going with. Yeah, um, they well, were they were like monthly written. They were written like they were monthly books. They were just coming out every two well, weeks. Well, and I think sometimes you actually saw, especially early with the rebirth stuff, a lot of those, a lot of the books that began as bi-weekly mm-hmm. early in rebirth felt more like they were still taking the same amount of time on the calendar, just stretching the story across more issues. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, by and large, gone away. I think they, yeah. they moved away from that. But there's a difference in the way a monthly or a weekly series is written mm-hmm. and something that's just written as an ongoing And this is paced completely differently. It's in some ways slower and in some ways faster. Like it takes longer maybe for individual things to happen, but you get so much more detail and there's so much more, there are so many more moving parts. It, that's exactly yeah. right. And and it knows that it's going to tell this story every week yeah. and that it's got this kind of extra room Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, it does. It, it does tell a little bit of a more complicated story, yeah. so to speak. Well, and the reason I wanted to talk about this issue of it, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of things. One is this is our first artist change. We're in the second mm-hmm. month of the book, and we have a new artist taking over, and it looks fantastic. It does. It looks gorgeous. Uh, the other thing is we had we had talked about someone dying. We mm-hmm. had talked about. You know, a team member falls, and that happened last week. This issue confirms it. I doubt that in the long run this sticks. Oh uh, well, we kind of we find out in this yeah. issue. Yeah, it kind of yeah. doesn't. Like, stick. There's some cosmic stuff afoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get in this issue the identity of the Grandmaster's nemesis, his yes. opponent. Yes, the Grandmaster. The Grandmaster is facing the Grandmaster, yes. Uh, oh, okay. Well, now huh. he's calling himself the Challenger. Because mm-hmm. the Grandmaster took his name. This is the... So, this issue focuses mostly on these two characters. Yes. It, it, okay. deals, it, it, it checks into the Avengers some, but essentially it's... it's and Jarvis and Nadia. A brotherly <laughs> squabble between two elders of the universe who... Their thing was the same thing. They both wanted to use their eternity to play games. <laughs> and the Grandmaster, we know, tricked the other Grandmaster, basically, into... Or cheated his way into, depending Challenged, on how you look at yeah, it. yeah, whatever. Uh, into relinquishing his title and being Banished. knocked out of existence until everything dies. Yeah. Which is what happened in Secret Wars. <gasps> oh, everything dies. shit. So that loophole lets him. He found the <laughs> loophole free. in the rules, <laughs> yes, and came back, and now he they're playing they're playing this game. Yeah, now he's come back and he's calling himself the challenger, and they're they're playing this contest. Yes, yeah. Um, and there's a there's something and this is something I want to ask Alex about because I've kind of got a, a, an opinion. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to call this. Um, at the end, the the grandmaster that we know says something about you know, and now you're down a piece because it it the way this seems to work is 
to claim the the different prizes, these different things that they're competing for. Yeah. When one of them grabs them, that player is removed from the board essentially. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. So the the challenger, his one of his team has grabbed one of these. So now he's a team member down. And apparently he he's, they said that he started a, a member. So now he's like yeah. two people down, right? But he says something about, oh, no, I wasn't. I was just keeping somebody in reserve. And we see it, it's this um, – uh, like a kind of like a dark cave and something going in there. Do you have any thought what or who this is? I do have a thought. Okay. But if you would like to go first. Um, my question is, is this going to be the return of Hulk? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it may be because Hulk is supposed to be back soon, but I don't think so. Okay. I think it is... What is his name? Um, there was a card-themed character from the beginning of Bendis' run who was an early casualty. What is, uh... I don't know. But I'll, I'll tell you my thinking. There's two things specifically that make me think this. One is there's a little bit of a green sparkle on the last panel. Mm -hmm. uh, two, it's in New Mexico, right? And the three is specifically the last editorial box that says something about he says something he says um do 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 i have a someone in reserve very special special ace in the hole who understands the purpose of rage that's true mm. i would also point ace in the hole is a card thing okay yeah it um, is yeah and if i can find that stupid character's name i don't know but regardless, this is this this is shaping up to be a really really good, which I mean, look at the writers. How it, it is not unexpected that this is this is being done very well. But um, it, there's nothing about it I don't like. Everything that you need for the story is contained in the story. We've said that before. The the pacing and the writing they're really taking advantage of this coming out weekly. Um. And then the story that they chose to tell, I am really, really digging and enjoying. So there's nothing, nothing about this that I don't enjoy completely. So Jack of Hearts. Jack of Hearts. That's, I knew it was Jack something. Oh. I think it's Jack of Hearts. Okay. And there are two reasons why. All right. One is Ace in the Hole. Mm -hmm. Two is one of the covers for a later issue is the Challenger or sorry, the the Grandmaster throwing playing cards around. Mm, okay. There's repeated card imagery. All right, you could be right. Yeah. the The other thing that makes me wonder that though is, I mean, clearly a big within itself self contained Avengers book would be a great place to bring back Hulk, right? Well, and again, we we know Hulk yeah. is coming back. Uh, of course, point. he is at some point, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, no, we know he's coming back at some point in this. Oh, okay, right. I did not know it was going to be in this. That I did not yeah. know. So. Um. Solicitations. They've mentioned he comes back. Ah, yeah. I've been avoiding this yeah. in solicitations. You might, <laughs> you might well be right. Yeah, but my, my, if I'm being honest, my first guess was Jack. Okay. Yep. I like it. Cool. X Men Red. Yes, X Men was red. Oh, you mean X Men Red? I see. So, what'd you think? What'd you think of the story that they're presenting in this? I like it. Yep, I did too. I have one, one small. It's not really even a problem with it. It's, it's. I would have preferred something. I would have preferred if they had taken kind of the story that they were building in the beginning part and stretched that out a little bit longer. 
What do you mean? Where she was doing this thing to try to really change things and be this positive thing and all that. I, I wish that had had a little, like, maybe that's, even just one more issue. But that's time. like a flash forward. Oh, it, I did not get that. Yeah, there's some time stuff going on in this. It yeah. starts there, then jumps back to her pulling the team together and getting where she's at. No, 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 not that, not that. Her, in the in the her getting the team together, like the whole stuff with the with the UN. I wish that had played out longer. I mean, that's going to be like the next. I I. I... I like where it ended I just because think it's still if you're gonna going. fuck with somebody, that's when it should end. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think we've seen the last of anything that's in this issue. No. Okay, May, uh, it, and it's it's certainly possible that I missed some sort of time thing, but like it, I took what happened with her and the British ambassador to the UN to happen basically right after she came out of yeah. that oh, yeah. speech. Yeah. Okay. Well, that pretty much ends okay. her. Ability to do what she was trying to do with the UN. Okay, you mean the po- you mean specifically the politics? Side yes, of it. yes. Man, I so don't want all of the politics side of it. <laughs> I think there's still room for some of that to play. Yeah, there's going to be a bit of it, but well, and she has both Namor and T'Challa mm-hmm. working together on her behalf, which right. in and of itself, by the way, is a big old thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> the two of them on the same side of anything, right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I think there's still room for the politics to keep playing through this, but this book also doesn't need to be about just talking heads. I, yeah. I agree with yeah. you. And that's why I said, I'm, I'm not looking for that to be what this book is about. I just felt like that got really, really rushed. And I think, it, and the reason that I say I wanted it to be, is I felt like that's going to be a huge cornerstone piece of what the tone of this book is going to be going forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I and so I wish it had had a little bit more time to grow, to have a little bit more impact. And that's that. Well, I'm you do have the, how can I phrase this without calling spoilers yet? Cause I don't <laughs> want to yet. The British ambassador mm-hmm. in the moment where things begin to get weird acknowledges that there were other plans in play mm-hmm. before Gene mm-hmm. showed up on the scene. But then Gene sped up that thing, whatever that is, is timeline. Yes. But I still think seeing that play out is going to be a part of this. So I think yeah. I think we're getting to inciting incident and yes. letting everything roll from there. Right. I I, I I have no problem with the pace. Okay. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fine if you wanted to see more of it. I, I yeah. I don't have any issue with the pacing there. No. No, I thought it was quite good. I will say this. Uh among the impossible things Jean does in this issue, she gets Namor to put on a shirt. I know. <laughs> what the hell, girl? I think my favorite little thing of all the of all the great little things in this issue, I think my favorite is the side eye she gives Namor in <laughs> his, in Atlantis when he makes the comment that uh, we don't receive a lot of visitors, and she just gives him the look and says clearly as he's like lounging, man yeah. spreading, yeah. shirtless on look, his throne. Okay, it's not even a throne. Let's not even joke. He is mushing an anemone so hard. 
that it's just like, sure, sit on me. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> what a like, dick. Oh. He might as well be using this anemone as a beanbag while he plays Call of Duty. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks uh-huh. like. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like his, it's his gaming chair. Bro, come on. <laughs> yeah. But she makes everywhere else of this book, he's wearing a shirt. She makes him put on a goddamn shirt and good well, on is, is, is it a shirt or is tricks. it a robe? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It covers his chest. It's really it more of an X-Men, a standard X-Men issue unitard. Uh, okay. All right. I'll buy that. Yeah. It's definitely a, a closed front. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's, it's almost more like a Star Trek uniform-ish type. Yeah. 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 Uh, but regardless. But yes. Super, super amazing feat there, Gene. Good yes. job. Yeah. And you get some great Gene and Nightcrawler moments. Yes. And I love their friendship oh, in the yes. middle of this. Yes. It's so too. good. I, I love, of course, Laura and Gabby <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. throughout this. Um, this might have been my favorite book this week. It was really good. It was yeah. really, really good. I Yes, I cannot say it was not. And I read this like the day after I finished Horizon Zero Dawn. And there is this thought that occurred to me that the way Gina is written here is not dissimilar from what Aloy does in that game. And it's, I think it's this type that we're seeing maybe more and more of in different ways of this super competent, badass woman who channels all of that through this sort of lens of compassion. Like, everything Aloy does in that game, everything Gene's doing here, are both driven by, you know, we may have to fight, and we may have to kill, and we may have to do whatever, but it's all in the name of easing suffering. It's all in the name of... It's almost like the mature, more grown-up, advanced version of Wasp that we were talking about, right? Yeah, I think that's... While she's got that that teen, super... Uh, I don't want to call it naive, but that's super. It's sort of uncompromising. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, just like I don't have to do this thing. I have to always be peppy because that's what I want to do. Right. Like We're... I know every that's super optimistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas uh, this brand of it is more of a okay. If that's what it comes to, I'll do that. But in the process, I'm going to look for another way. Through. Right. Exactly. Like yep. I, I accept that may be the ends, but I don't accept that it has to be. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Um, and then we'll call spoilers now. Everyone already knows spoilers now. Spoilers! We meet the yep. villain of the piece, <laughs> who I am very excited for, Cassandra Nova. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah. I don't even know what to expect, and I'm very That's happy. That's kind of the whole point, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is such a great first first issue. It is probably... If 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 the rest of the series is as good as this, it is the best X Men team book coming yeah, out right now. I would agree with that. Um, sorry, Charles Soule and Astonishing X Men, which I also love, but I think I think this may take the crown. This it certainly came out of the gate better than any of the others. Definitely. Yes. All right. Uh, what's next? Come on, cooperate. And I'm super happy that I got a book to replace X Men Gold. So yeah. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Uh, real, real good. So what happens when my iPad doesn't cooperate? <laughs> Runaways! That's the other one. I do that. I picked that one. I was one about to, to say, there's just week. like one more. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Runaways number six. So we've got the end of the first arc. Brian, you have not made it all the way through this one yet? I have not made it all the way through this one yet. No. This is Time your... challenged in reading this week. Yeah. yeah. 
And it was a very heavy Oh my gosh, yeah. In, in a very general sense, this issue does exactly what you expect it to do. It gets everybody out of... It gets everybody back together. It gets Molly out of her grandmother's house. It gives them a reason to come together again and makes them realize, okay, we are better together. So much of what I love about this issue by itself is just how how funny it makes the fight. Like, how much it's about their relationships with each other and their sense of humor and them working together and that kind of sibling thing that we've talked about before as opposed to just punch the bad guy. Like, the bad guy is Molly's grandma and she says, rule number one, you can't hurt my grandma. Mm -hmm. Rule number two, you can't hurt her cats. Well, like, (laughs) that kind of limits the options here. (laughs) Yeah. So... I am very happy with how this 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 series so far has gone. Uh, I think I've said it before. Rainbow Rowell is right up there with Brian K. Vaughn writing this team. Yeah, as this, far as I'm concerned, the tone in this is is perfect. Yeah, I think it's a really hard needle to thread on writing these characters together, and she does it beautifully. Even in the more poignant moments, it's still funny like it's a bittersweet book in the way that it always was when Vaughn wrote it in the way that so much a part of its DNA when it's great um while still feeling like it's something like it feels like a more most of these characters feel a little more grown up they feel like they've been through more they feel like they've got a little more distance between them and fighting and maybe killing their parents (laughs) and it's its its own thing, but it still feels like it is part of a whole. Very cool. Brian is laughing. Brian just read something on the page. Yeah, I think I, I think I just got to uh, Nico's spell that you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That one can do anything. Only once, but clearly it can do anything. If it can do that, it can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh. See, I didn't have anything like great or profound about this book to say. I just. We'd kind of talked on and off about liking it. Or, and we or, haven't mentioned it in a little bit. Yeah. And a few issues. So. Um, so if you haven't been reading it, I'm sure this trade is supposed to be out sometime in the next month or two. Uh, grab it. Jump in on it. If you've been bitten by other writers doing Runaways before and are a little gun shy, there is no reason to be. This is one of the best books Marvel has coming out right now. I think it's... It's great. If if you like the team, if you have the Right, yeah, yeah. And I do think, like you talked about in the earlier issues, Brian, it helps to have some relationship with them prior to this. I, I do, do think, think that's very, necessary. That. Yeah. Um, I would even go so far as to say that even now, what, what issue is this? Six. Six. Um, if you're just reading these new ones, I don't know if you're going to have the connection that you would have if you went back. Even if it's just the first 16 issues, which is the kind of that full story. Uh, of, 18, I think. Is yeah. it, what, whatever that first yeah. run was. Um, that... First story where they go through and find out and kind of their origin. Yeah. Right. Um, if you read that, you're going to be in love with these characters. And that's everything you need. You don't have yeah. to go further than that if you don't want yeah. to. Uh, but I, I'm so happy with this book. I'm so happy it exists. And I hope it keeps going for a very long time. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Is it still good? Is it? It is. Um, <laughs> yes. And hey, guess what we forgot to do again? Oh, no. Okay. Just just go On with the, the list. Fly. 
Brian, Batman number 40 is still good. Uh, Bat number 40 is still good. Um, Batman and Wonder Woman do have a moment. Yep. And Selena D- asks exactly no. the question I best, would have. Best moment. Best yeah. moment in a relationshipy comic book. Uh-huh. Period. Then and done. Were you bad? No, but I wasn't good enough. That's it was the best. Yes. It was the best. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. 37 years and a Wonder Woman, huh? <laughs> Brian. Were you bad? Yes. White Knight, Batman White Knight number five. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm really, really digging the. Oh, God, we're doing the still good thing. Hey, yeah, we damn are. It. All right. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the um, show. Harley, Harley may well be the only person that truly understands Joker and Batman. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Brian, Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, number four. Um, <laughs> Black Lightning um, gains the respect, if not the support, of the police. Cool. Deathstroke, number 28, Brian. <laughs> Deathstroke and Kong Keenan make a great Opposing pair. <laughs> oh man, why didn't I read that book? <laughs> <laughs> Exit stage left. The Snagglepuss Chronicles number two. Uh, of all the characters who translate from Hanna Barbera cartoons to comics, Squidly Diddly might be the most terrifying. Diddly, oh God! Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern's number 40, Brian. Um, this is, let's see, uh, we begin a new arc where, uh, Simon and Jessica go to, uh, investigate missing superheroes and (laughs) Jessica gets a real revelation when she joins Caper. The dating app only for superheroes. <laughs> Cape, uh, Hadley Noah. Hey, yo. Uh, Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, number five. Uh, Brian. We continue our no reason for it, but fun romp uh, with these four characters. Harley Quinn, number 37, as the Penguin leads a group of Gotham villains into New York for some new operations. Harley opens her own business, Harley's for Hire. Yes. Justice League number 38. Someone kisses Batman this week. If not in Batman's book, then in this one. And the team gets a new leader. Okie dokie. Yep. Superman number 40. John and... And Clark maybe take their remembrance of Krypton's destruction a little too far. My 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 sentence would be John and Superman follow in the footsteps of Jessica and Simon. Because <laughs> it's the same story. <laughs> Young Monsters in Love, number one. Brian? The most beautiful artwork book this week with really good stories in an anthology monster book. Deja Thoris, number one. 
uh, Brian. I, the best butt book possibly of mm. all time. Mm. <laughs> that it's got good. That book got good. Good art. I know. <laughs> this and here's the thing: the story's really good too. Transformers versus Visionaries number two. As Virulina and Merklin rally their people to take down the Transformers, the Spectral Knights team up with uh, their people's would-be nemeses. All right. Paper Girls number 20. Jin. <laughs> the Tiffany's follow their true calling. Not much happens, but we feel like we know more afterward. Do we? I don't know if we do, but we feel like we, we do. We feel like we do. <laughs> I would agree we with that statement. We feel like we do. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. I don't know that we do, but I have it does kind of feel that way. I have never more confident coming out of a Paper Girls book than this issue. Okay. <laughs> Which is not to say that I know anything that's going on. You just feel but like... But I felt it. better about <laughs> okay. my own brain yes. after this one. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> Rock Candy Mountains number eight. A gin. Go buy this book. It was the last issue. It was the best thing ever. Scales and Scoundrels number six. A gin. Oh, shit. I didn't finish this one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. I'm halfway through it. I'm so sorry. That's on me. That's my bad. Is it as good as the previous one, though? Yeah, so okay. far. It's real damn and good. the first trade came out this week. That's yes. right. So yeah. get that. Do get, get that, because we really all know that. It's so much fun. It's a fun, fun book. Yeah. yeah. Witchblade number three. Jin. Mm-hmm. She finally decides to stop fighting and let the bracelet teach her things. Nice. Amazing Spider-Man number 795. What was that? You. Oh, yeah. Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Pointy finger. (laughs) I mean, short of snapping my own neck, I don't know how to do that. Alex. Right. Yes. And even then, I probably need someone behind me giving me a couple of hands. Hey, yo. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 795. (laughs) I made it weird for Brian. (laughs) Peter (laughs) receives a crow, either summoning him to Hogwarts, summoning him to King's Landing, or summoning him to Bleecker Street. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh, Black Bolt number 10. Blackagar and Titania... Go take the fight to Lash and realize that Blinky's day is just about to get even worse. And those words make sense together if you're reading this book, which you should be! (laughs) I did read the first trade and I will say that was pretty awesome. Such a good book. Hawkeye number 15. Uh, We learn that the Hawkeye's greatest skill may be the art of the quick change. Uh, yep. Iceman number 10. Uh, Bobby, let's just say Bobby impales Dockin. Oh, my God. Becky, look at her, look at her butt? No. <laughs> Kind of the way you oh, said shit. that. I forgot to tell you. 
Hawkeye had my quote of the week. Damn it, Brian. Too late. We've no. already passed. We don't have time. We don't have time. All right. Keep going. We're at two hours already. Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock number one. Adam Warlock's back and dressed up in his best Rocky from Rocky Horror cosplay. Rise of the Black Panther number two. Uh, we, we, we see the first meat brute between Namor <laughs> and... Uh, T'Challa, meat brute being a term coined by Evan Narciss like seven years ago, and he finally got to write one. Good on you, man. Nice. Uh, Rogan Gambit number two, Jen. Rogan Gambit finally start f- stop fighting each other and start fighting the real bad things that are trying <laughs> that to kill them. like you were about to say something else. <laughs> Rogan Gambit start f- fighting somebody. <laughs> well, I'd read that book too. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> Spider-Man number 237. Uh, the Jackal makes Miles an offer that he probably would regret refusing, but will anyway. Spider-Man versus Deadpool number 27, Jen. Mm, um, Deadpool about gets eaten by some snaky things, and is that Spidey? Spirits of Vengeance number five, Brian. Uh, this is the final issue of this run, um, and we get a conclusion to this. We get a nice little wrap up to the story, and we find out uh, that uh, one side of the covenant has a different perspective than you might have thought. Star Wars number forty-three: The Rebels make a new alliance. Hey, Jen. Yeah. Long box book report time. Okay. So I had Morning Glories number one. It um, is about a bunch of kids who get selected to go to this Morning Glory Academy. And I don't know what's going to happen yet because, you know, I've never read this book. Um, but I'm, I'm just meh on it. I'm just meh on it. Yeah. It was okay. I like the characters okay. I don't like Ike at all. Um, he's... He's. I don't like his family situation. I don't like anything about that character. And I wish that he was not a part of this book. But it might change my mind when I read more. Who knows? Um, yeah. So all these kids, they were all born on the same day. And I'm sure there are other similarities that I haven't discovered yet. Um, Artwork? It, it was okay. Okay. Yeah. It was okay. So it was Joe Isma. It was all right. All right. The colors made it better. Um, Nick Spencer, though, normally real, real on point, but this first issue was just like, okay, I could read this or I could read something else. And that made me sad. I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you buy the first trade sometime, because I think the first trade as a whole maybe okay. is a better yeah, presentation. Yeah, it kind of felt like it just needed like a couple more pages. Or it could have taken a few things out and filled those pages with something better. Maybe. All right. So Brian is one and Alex is two. That was a real quick long box book report, that wasn't was? it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can barter to trade. <laughs> Talk about rocks. Okay. Um, hey, if you're listening to this on Monday, you still have time to buy something for Valentine's Day. Did you know that? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, and if your sweetie is into rocks, why not go buy her some rocks, or him some rocks, or them some rocks? Or if you just need something to inspire you to go get Rock Candy Mountain, you could, Fuck go, yeah. you could go get a rock. Fuck yeah. Me. But my sister shop now has um, various 
gem and mineral heart-shaped stone necklaces and skull-shaped stone necklaces. So no matter what you're into, there's something there for you. So go to Rockhound and Relics Trading Co. on Lemon Street, Knackworth. There you go. Does she have any holograms to go with those gems? I mean, she probably does, yeah. Yeah. If I know my sister. What? No, we'll keep going. Okay. Yeah. So... There it is. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I blame you for making me number two. (laughs) Acceptable. I'll I'll take this blame. And Alex's streak of having used up all his karma continues. I have to read a Tarzan comic. It looks like he is anally penetrating a saber-toothed tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Something out of something out I of think, blood bond, Alex, it says. I think you wish that was what was gonna happen in this book. Savage Fury at the Earth's core Blood Bond. And I mean tell me that does not look like Oh man. And, and the saber tooth tiger is not into it. No. He's super not. Nope, it is not consensual. Oh boy, howdy. <laughs> It's never okay to run up behind a tiger and go, surprise sex! (laughs) Yeah, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Let's go now to our conversation from last night with Jeremy Whitley. All right, and we are back with Jeremy Whitley on the line. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Good. Doing well, thanks. Fantastic. Glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. So, we always like to start everyone off with the same question. How did you get into nerdy shit? Uh, it's, it's genetic in my family. Um, my, my dad was always into uh, nerdy stuff growing up. He, he was the one that started taking us on, uh, on trips to the comic book shop. When uh, we used to live out in California, we had a local shop out there. And, you know, once or twice a week, uh, he would take my brother and I down there. And uh, you know, I think we, I don't know that there's a th- one thing that we started with so much as like, we always kind of had, you know, nerdy movies around. We um, read comics together. You know, my brother and I always collected the uh, you know, the Marvel trading cards that would have all the cool facts and power levels about characters on them. Yeah. And we had our, had our X-Men figures and watched the, you know, X-Men animated series. So there's that sort of... Being a kid in the you know the early nineties, it was is kind of hard to avoid. That definitely sounds yeah. uh, true to life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar stories from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think hopefully, hopefully it's like that now as a kid. Like, because you know, there's there's so much stuff between you know movies and TV shows and, and comics and everything else that you know superhero stuff is it seems to be everywhere. And I hope you know kids are getting that same sort of dowsing and in geek culture that I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it would be impossible yeah, to I avoid. Yeah, I think saturated. I mean, my four-year-old niece, I mean, she, we read your comics together. <laughs> so, Aww. yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think there are any kids who don't have some sort of nerd in them now. Yeah, like, you've, like even mainstream, right? Right. Yeah, completely. So, what comics do you guys read together? I asked to smoothly segue. <laughs> well, the most recent thing we read together was My Little Pony, which was great. All all of your issues you. just kill me. Because they're adorable and it's... funny, 
and smart. They're smart. Thank you. It's it's a lot of fun to write them. You know, the the pony series is is an interesting thing because um, you know I I have a now six year old daughter myself. Um, that, you know, at the point I was, you know, she was two. I was kind of staying home with her and um, you know working at night and uh, you know I was just kind of looking for anything that could hold her attention for a few minutes so that I could you know either take a nap or eat something or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, you learn on a lot of things like, uh, she, she loved Dora the Explorer for a long time. And, um, Good. Dora the Explorer is one of those mind numbing things. Where, like, <laughs> they, same, they repeat eight, same, same, like eight songs every episode. And like, it's very formula driven. And as an, as a kid, they're like, great. And as an adult, you're like, Oh, it's time to sing the map song again. <laughs> yes. <Right>? Yep. <laughs> Whereas, you know, and, and and at the point that she saw a couple episodes of, of My Little Pony, the, the current iteration, Friendship is Magic, uh, it was like this blessed relief where I was like, <laughs> oh, it's funny. Like, it really is yeah. funny and enjoyable and the characters are interesting and uh, this is a thing that I can watch with her and not want to like rip my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is a treat when you find those things that your kids watch that you're like, okay, you know what? This is actually good and and like you said, not that repetitive. Like it, I I can actually enjoy this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it, it had characters that I enjoyed and like it, it just. Um, I feel like I kind of stumbled into working on the book because uh, I was sort of set up back-to-back with, um, you know, Tony Fleece and Andy Price and Katie Cook, who, you know, obviously started working on the book, and uh, we were set up at Denver Comic Con, and, um, you know, Tony and, and a couple of his friends, uh, you know, knew about Princess and had really been enjoying it, and, you know, he sort of asked me if I'd, if I'd be interested in, uh, you know, pitching some ideas for, for pony books to... Um, to IDW, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I already know all the lore, I know what I'm doing, and uh, it'd be a fairly easy thing for me to jump into, and, um, you know, I pitched a handful of stories off the bat, and I think uh, the first one I pitched ended up being the first thing I ended up writing for them, which is the uh, Discord and the Cutie Mark Crusaders Friends Forever story, which uh, then ended up being their, like, Halloween book for that year, too, which was cool. Very awesome. Yeah. Nice. That was actually one of the ones I read this week. Oh, Getting nice. ready for tonight. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, that was, I know nothing about ponies, not having <laughs> any pony loving people in my life that I know of. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun <laughs> that I know of. Okay. Jen made a face at me. <laughs> Present company accepted. <laughs> um, and then that has now turned into Legends of Magic, right? That, that sort of evolved into doing that. Uh, twelve issue thirteen, I guess, counting the annual. Yeah. Um. So they've been trying to, you know, consistently keep two My Little Pony books running, and um, basically, Friends Forever was sort of like a My Little Pony team up kind of thing, um, and that ran for you know a good chunk of issues, and then um, this last season with them introducing these new characters who are sort of these you know legendary um, ponies from you know thousands of years ago. Uh, they wanted to do some stuff with them, so they kind of gave me the go-ahead to kind of expand on that mythology and, and tell stories with them and 
give them some more of the the origin that they don't get all of in the show, which uh, was nice because it's you know a nice thirteen issue run on a story uh, uninterrupted, which is increasingly unusual in comic books that you yeah. don't really you don't make <laughs> yeah. up yourself. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, and that annual is out in March. Is that right? Do I have that right, or is it April? Um, let's see. I think they just announced it, so it's probably April. Okay, yeah, that would make um, sense. Yeah, I think. I think issue twelve is in March. Um, yeah, ten just came out, so eleven will be out this month. Twelve in in March and the annual in April. Cool. Well, you kind of you kind of mentioned origin. So how did how did you get started in general writing comics? Um. So I had a uh, a series. I had, I had sort of this idea for. Um, a couple of different stories that I wanted to tell. And, um, you know, I was, I went to school for English and creative writing, um, which I went to the university of North Carolina here in, in Chapel Hill. Um, and, you know, they sort of, a lot of creative writing programs, including mine are very like anti anything that reeks of genre to them. So like, they're not big fans of sci-fi or fantasy, and God forbid, comics. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, there's was, was nothing I got to write in school, and then I think sort of coming out of that, um, you know, there was a, a great local store here in, uh, well, in Chapel Hill as well, that uh, I started going to, um, because actually because I was picking up comics for my wife at that point, um, because the, uh, the, Buffy the Vampire Slayer series had just started, and uh, you know I, I knew she would be interested in that because she was a big fan of the show. Um, so that, that's how they, they got me hooked back in, and um, you know my my uh, thrifty comic shop guy was like, "Hey, you know if you like that, and you know, he said you like X Men, you should check out this Joss Whedon Astonishing X Men that's coming out," and sold me on a couple trades of that and. Uh, unfortunately, I guess I never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny so, how uh, that happens. Yeah, I started reading the stuff, and then at some point, I realized that somebody had to be writing that, and that that was a cool job. Um, and that's the thing I'd like to do. So I, I started a uh, creator-owned series with my friend Jason Stratz. It's uh, about, I think we ended up doing five or six issues of it before... Uh, it sort of inevitably just ran out of steam. Um, it's a series called The Order of Dagonet, uh, which is about a uh, basically the mythological creatures of Britain return and start wreaking havoc, and the only people who can stop them are the, the Knights of England, but they're, of course, like the actual Knights of England, so they're all actors and rock stars and... <laughs> nice. and like that. That's spectacular. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know you have sort of like a like an Ozzy Osbourne type character and uh, uh, an Elton John and Ian McKellen, you know, uh, sort of fighting off the, you know, fighting dragons and centaurs and things like that. So it's almost that Elton John from the Last Kingsman movie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Great. And was that then a straight line to Princeless for you, or was there time between? those two books. So I started writing Princeless um, a little bit after I was working on Order of Dag, and then I had a couple of issues of that in the can. Um, Princeless was sort of a, 
um, another idea I had for this, this story I wanted to do, and you know, I wanted something that I could share with at that uh, with my daughter, whom at that point I didn't even you know we didn't even have was still sort of an idea herself um, <laughs> at that point, and um, you know I just I sort of wanted to to have this uh, you know character who was a a princess and a strong heroine in herself that um, you know I'd be able to share and. Uh, other parents could share with their kids and, and have this cool, you know, fairy tale that's also feminist, that's also all this other stuff that, you know, I wanted my daughter to be exposed to. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, I wrote a first issue of that, and uh, a friend of mine drew the first issue, and then uh, he figured out that comics is, is not all that lucrative, despite what people might uh, hear. <laughs> <laughs> and that he had a, a perfectly... He had a perfectly good gig doing like graphic art, and that paid much better. Um, so he said so he kind of it's like, yeah, you know, do do whatever you want to with it. I'm I'm out. Um, and so I ended up, uh, you know, basically carting around these single issues of the first issue to a bunch of conventions, where eventually I uh, got sat next to uh, David Wanch, who was one of the founding members of Action Lab, who um, you know was having an equally terrible convention himself. And, uh, you know, when they started looking for books to, to put into Action Lab's initial launch, um, you know, mine was one that he had heard, he heard me pitching all day long for three days, and um, he thought it was interesting. The only thing he didn't like about it was the art, which was great, because my artist had already backed out on me, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So he, uh, he set me up with... Uh, with my artist for the the book, and I mean that first volume came out. Uh, it's been over six years at this point, um, and you know we've sort of kept going from there. We've got uh, six volumes of the main series, and then you know we've got the spinoff, Raven the Pirate Princess, as well, in which we just just put out the fourth volume of. Very yeah. cool. This is such a cool book to me because you know I I'm a I'm not a girly girl, I guess, but kind of am. I love sparkles and glitter and pink and purple shit, but I also like to play in the mud, I guess. I grew up kind of a, kind of, I guess I was kind of a redneck. I mean, I was. Not a guess. I was. <laughs> Worse. Um, this is not something that's This is not a word either. This, the... is, right. this is... Okay. Yeah. I was a redneck, but I also like glitter. <laughs> so this book was really cool to me because it teaches, you know, girls and people in general you can be a princess and still be a fucking badass. Like you don't, yeah. you don't have to like one or the other. Just do the thing. That's kind of, um, you know, when I, when I was pitching it, when I was working on it initially, I was like, you know, girls already like princesses. Like you don't have to convince them <laughs> right. of princesses being cool. Um, but you know, you can take that thing and, and sort of meet them where they are and create a princess who doesn't suck. Like it's <laughs> yes. not, it's not possible. Yes. Um, and you know, if if you've already got that princess angle that they're they're interested in, then you have their attention, and you can you know make make this interesting story, and you know maybe pull them pull them down along the line where they're like, well, I like you know this other stuff too, and this princess can have adventures, so that's cool. <laughs> and that's just the gateway drug into pirates. Yeah. It's true. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, when I read it, by far the biggest message I get out of it is is that you, you can be what who you are and what you want to be. I mean, you look at, like, Bedelia, right? Oh, yeah. Who, you know, go and she's so afraid uh, she can't be a blacksmith. She can't do this. and she can't, But, like, when she is those things is when she's at her best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that that's sort of i think the overall message of the book as we've gone on is you know i think initially it's it's very much about it's very much driven by adrian and adrian has this very definite idea of what uh what freedom looks like um and what that is and i think part of the series you know in addition to her saving her sisters is her sort of learning that that looks different to different people like You know, not everybody is going to jump for joy at the idea of, uh, you know, going running off with a dragon and fighting bad guys, and like that. That's not necessarily what everybody has to do. Um, you know, it's it's about having the choice, not necessarily about what they choose. Yeah, there's there's one comment that she made that really drives that home. What the, after she, you know, one of the stories is basically at its you know, one of the arcs is kind of finished. One of her sisters asks and says, "Well, I don't know. What do you think I should do?" And she said, "I just wanted to see you free. If I tell you what to do, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose?" <laughs> yeah, then it's just the same. <laughs> yeah, I think that's you know, she's slowly slowly learning this as we go and I think um you know, I I like I like that thing because I think even, and I, I was guilty of this, I think in the early going, um, and you know, as, as an parent occasionally where it's like, no, go do this thing. It's fun. Like, that's the <laughs> thing you want to do. really, you want to do that thing. And, you know, I think setting up choices and then letting, you know, kids figure out what it is that they, they go for is, you know, far far superior as as far as you know, freedom. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you definitely. you you learn as a parent also. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I have to say, um, thank you for one instance in this book where she cuts her hair, and it's not a moment of this woman is crazy. That is my favorite thing I've ever seen because in media you always see a woman cut her hair and that means she's crazy, and it drives me nuts. But in this one, it was like this beautiful, like awakening, like this this moment that she's like, "Well, I'm just going to be me." It's Period. again, it's kind of a symbol of freedom for her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I think that, that issue was interesting because it's not only like the most, um, it not only. Is it like one I'm really proud of, but it's something that was really kind of trepidatious about writing because uh, I know, you know, there's all sorts of of issues tangled up in in hair and femininity and especially Mm. when it pertains to, you know, black hair um, that, you know, it's a it's a minefield. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to. do. I, I always wanted to do something with that with the character, and I think. You know, in volume four, we had this, you know, sort of battle as she's crossing the, the river in the swamp where, you know, a chunk of her hair gets set on fire. And I was yep. like, well, that's a, as good an opportunity as anything for, you know, her to have a reason to cut her hair. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, you know, that ended up working out nicely. And, um, yeah, Alex Smith, who did the art on that, was, was just really, did a really amazing job. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's a nice, 
it's a it's much more of like a a tonal comic than anything else in the series. Yeah, yes. and it does it beautifully. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Raven side of things. Um, eh? And that's after the third arc, right? We, we, we mm-hmm. meet Raven in the third arc, and after that she spins off into her own book. And in a lot of ways it's a similar book, but it also deals more with relationships, with, with romantic relationships and what those might look like. What, what made you want to introduce sort of that to this world and then also spin that off into its own, its own corner? Well, it was kind of specifically uh, Adrian that made me want to do that because, like, um, you know, after the first couple of volumes that came out, people were people would sort of ask about you know other sorts of representation that we hadn't really done anything with in in the series. Um, you know, there were a lot of people that were sort of asking about um, you know Adrian's sexuality as a character, and um, you know, well, well, that's an interesting thing that I, I wanted to, you know, sort of touch on, I didn't really feel like that was, like, appropriate for the character of Adrian because, you know, first of all, she is, like, uh, her story is so much about not needing, you know, uh, romance, not being defined by romance, and it, I, I didn't want it to get tied up with this question of, like, oh, does she... Just not need, just not interested in having a prince because she's not into guys, or um, you know, is it a, a question of independence? Um, so, you know, I've, I've wanted to do something, you know, dealing with you know, more LGBT issues, and uh, you know, I, I specifically specifically felt like relationship stuff with Adrian was sort of going the wrong direction, at least with the story as it is now, um, and you know. Raven was sort of an interesting thing in that, like, that first story we did with her was a, a free comic book day story where, you know, I wanted to do something that was that was new content because I hate getting free comic book day books that are just things I read six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, that's a bummer. Um, and, you know, I wanted it to be something that would, you know, really introduce people to the series and they wouldn't have to feel like, oh, I don't know what happened in, you know, the last eight issues of this story. <laughs> so, um, you know, I came up with this idea of her rescuing this other princess who, you know, was not related to her, that she just sort of stumbled on and, you know, that, that Raven would be sort of a handful in her own right. Um, and, you know, as soon as we, we did that story, I was like, I love this character. I want to do more stuff with her. So, you know, we, we expanded it out into an arc, um, and it, it ended up working well because, you know, volume four was coming along slowly anyway. Um, so it gave us a chance to get something extra with a, with a different art team in, in between. Um, you know, I worked with uh, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt on that. And um, they just did amazing work. Um, and it ended up being such a fun, like, four-issue story with her and Adrian that, like, I, I knew sort of from from the start of that story and, and it's sort of threaded into that story that, that Raven is gay, although it's not like directly addressed in those four issues. Um, you know, I want to do something that did directly address that and followed her and had a little more of sort of a YA 
uh, thing to it, where, you know, I think Raven is a little more of a, a soap opera story um, in some respects, and that you have lots of characters sort of bouncing off each other and relationships and whatnot. Um, and so, you know, we just, it, that sort of turned into its own thing, and then that keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, and you've got, so you, 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 you've got a couple more years worth of this planned at this point, right? You've got, you're working, I think in 2019, is that what you said? Uh, yeah, easily. Um, so I, I had the second uh, year of it written for a while. Um, it's in the second year right now. It's, uh, I think issue, yeah, issue four just came out. Five will be out this month. Um, and that's, you know, I've got a 13-issue story there, uh, which 13-month years are getting to be a joke for me. Um, <laughs> all, my, all my years are 13 months long. Um, and then, like, after I finished that story, I was like, well, I know what I want to do next. Let me start writing that stuff. And, you know, suddenly I have another, uh, you know, nine issues of year three. Um, so I'm, I'm insanely far ahead for a creator-owned comic. I have no reason to be as far ahead as I am other than that, like, I started writing bits of the story and I was like, oh, I know what happens next and we're going to do this and I'll figure this out. Um, so, you know, anytime I have sort of downtime between work-for-hire stuff, I end up jumping into either Princess or Raven. And, um, yeah, Princess I have... Like, Volume 7 is almost finished being drawn now. Um, 8 and 9 I've already written and 10 is more or less written. There's, you know, sort of a big set piece in the middle of that story that I haven't quite finished fleshing out, but, um, you know, I already know how 10 is ending, which sort of wraps up this main story that will have been going on for, you know, 10 volumes at that point. That is fantastic. I'm very happy to hear that. I, I love, again, this felt like one of those, that, like both of the, like one of those that we talked about earlier that, is just even if you're an adult, it's just great to read because the characters are so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, they're all people that you, you. know. <laughs> yeah, in some way or another. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think you know a lot of the a lot of the characters are, are you know that I write and stuff are, are based sort of roughly on friends and family at least at the start, and they sort of take on lives of their own as they go. But I, I think that's part of why they have such voices. Is, is I have a pretty good knack for what people sound like. So you know, they, they tend to be pretty, pretty real people. Um, and yeah, I, I think making something that I enjoy reading as well. And, you know, can recommend to parents without being like, well, you know, you might enjoy some of it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be able to hand it to parents and be like, no, you can read it with them too. You'll enjoy it. Like, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Unless you're a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can not like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at, you can look at Amazon. There's a couple people. Well, okay, that, fair uh, enough. There's, there's a couple people who don't like anything. So that's, that's right. That's yeah. the internet. That's uh, on the far, far other end of the spectrum, Vampirella. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got a couple more issues of that coming up, right? You've got 10 and 11 out. Over the next month or so? Yep. Uh, 10 should be out 
Uh, I know the date, but I'm not sure. It's later, later in February, and then 11 is, is coming out in March. Um, yeah, 10 is already done off to the printer, so um, that is, is imminent. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing, it's been a, it's an interesting, like, four and a quarter issue run. <laughs> uh, so I, I sort of came in on the heels of, you know, the, the previous story, and they, they gave me a couple of pages at the end of their last issue to jump in and sort of set the stage for what I wanted to do. Um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, we've had four issues to kind of go wild, and there have been a lot of uh, surprising, like, yeses on letting us do stuff, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. So, so what has been the same and what has been different writing, obviously, a much more adult book like Vampirella than, you know, a lot of the other things you've done? It's been really funny because while I've been working on Vampirella, I've been writing my little pony stuff at the same time. <laughs> nice. Um, do, do not mix those up, please. <laughs> Except I need like yeah, a page of that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it takes like, my brain has to do a weird 90 degree turn to to switch between the two different writing modes. But like, it's a nice, it's a nice change of pace because, you know, um, there's only so much, so much you can do uh, when you're writing a My Little Pony comic, um, and there are some very specific things you can't do, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is is basically all of, uh, you know, my Vampirella run. It's it's very, it's you know, incredibly violent, and very bloody, um, and you know, it's uh, you know, there's I don't know that I could get away with a big like. Mad Max style car chase combat sequence in, you know, My Little Pony. I don't know that that would work. But it would be badass. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. Princess Celestia just pulled a chain through someone. <laughs> that'd be that'd be probably hard to sell though. Huh? Pro- probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Oh no, I think it's so great. I well, okay, I, mean, I kind of meant to the publisher, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, I think that's that's funny because I think the first. Um, the first rule I ever ran into while writing a My Little Pony comic that I couldn't do was uh, that they could not drive cars. So, oh, well, there uh, you go. I've actually heard people like, say that before, like that that is a big no-no, and I'm like, but it would be funny. <laughs> Why? Well, uh, they're little. Well, funny. Funny thing is, about a year after they told me that, uh, they started. Hasbro started making toys that were like ponies that came with a car of some sort. <laughs> and like every time I see one of those, I send my editor a picture of it. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got That's the it. anthropomorphic teenage ponies that are, I imagine, yeah. able to drive cars. I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> because they live in a weird universe that's all a high school. Um, it's like. Nothing seems to exist outside of the high school in the the Equestria Girls stuff. Like everybody that's part of the normal My Little Pony story is uh, like within that high school. I guess there are like rival high schools as well, and uh, and a camp, I think. But like none of them seem to have parents, and um, <laughs> people like the people who are queens in like the My Little Pony universe are like principal and vice principal there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. That's I don't odd. think I want to fall through that portal. 
It's funny though, as 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 different as some of the content in Vampirella and obviously like Princess and Princess and those things are. There's there's a couple of things that I, I to me very much strike the same chord. One is you've got characters who are kind of figuring out who they are again or figuring out who they are. And then the other is obviously the relationships, because it is one of the things that I personally think you do absolutely the best job of, and that is relationships between characters. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, I think My Little Pony is like, that's, you have to be able to do relationships, right, My Little Pony, because if you don't, there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all about friendship, and all of the problems are solved with friendship. Um uh, so, like, if you can't figure out, like, how relationships work, then you're kind of out of luck. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, that was it, was... it was interesting, you know, coming in on Vampirella because, like, the relationships were what I keyed in on. I think partially because, like, Paul, uh, who's writing it, does a pretty good job of, like, ending all the story he had to tell at the end of, like, his issue. Like, you know... She, you know, Vampirella beats uh, beats Lucifer at the end of his story. Like, there's not a ton further to go from there as far as like, you know, upping the <laughs> the levels of of you know uh, who she can face. Who, so, you know, I wanted to do more with you know the relationship side of it and developing you know what what was there already. Hey, you do a great job of it. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, she's a badass, but she's also, uh, well, not a person, but a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she's a person, man. Uh, I think, she, that's, yeah, I think yeah. you know, when you've been around for thousands of years, uh, you're bound to pick that, pick up some, you know, uh, complexities in your personality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one would hope. There are some yeah, people I, I don't was... think would. <laughs> but... <laughs> And we will listen no, to them all now. No, <laughs> no, please, let's not. My Uncle Jack. No. <laughs> Been the same asshole for 4,000 years. <laughs> That's right. you, you know in vampire families, there has to be those people. There, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. I haven't seen you for 1,000 years, and you still suck. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But all, all uh, vampires was... suck a little. A little. Well, okay. uh-huh. Most. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think, you know, with Vampirella, I think my worry going in was, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I want to play with this relationship that's that's been part of this and, you know, give her a girlfriend in Vicky and, you know, make that relationship sort of the center of this story. And I was uh, I was a little worried, you know, because they haven't really gone that direction with Vampirella before. And uh, to their credit, my, my editors at Dynamite were both like, yeah, she's thousands of years old. Of course, you know, she's she's probably had a variety of different relationships. You know, she's she slept with demons. I'm sure she's had a girlfriend at some point. Somewhere in all those yeah. realities, she just absorbed. Yeah, it has exactly. to be true. Yeah. 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 Um. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were about to say. No, I was checking the time. Sorry. Okay. Um. You have coming up in March. Sea of Thieves, adapting the video game of the same name. Yes, I do. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, because I know it's not out, so I know nothing about that one other than it's adapting Sea of Thieves. Yeah, um, so Sea of Thieves, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, is a uh, is a 
uh, game coming out for for Xbox and PC. That's a uh, you know, done by Microsoft and, and Rare. For anybody who you know got their their Donkey Kong fix back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Uh, it's old Donkey Kong Country. Uh, you know, Rare has this has always had this sort of fantastic sense of humor and their stuff. And uh, you know, when I when I got offered the opportunity to work on this, I was like, oh yeah, because I I want to know more about this game. <laughs> um, so that works out perfectly. Um, so basically, like. The way the game is set up, it's a big sort of massive multiplayer online pirate game where, you know, you, you put together a crew of uh, you know, up to four people and you sail around and, and do cool pirate stuff, uh, sometimes, you know, to each other, sinking each other's ships, and sometimes you can go on, you know, missions with your, your people and go get treasure and all that fun stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's a ball. The um, weird and fun thing about making the comic of it was, you know, when I, when I came into it, um, I was like, okay, so, you know, what do I need to write about? And they were like, well, it's a massive multiplayer game. So there's not really a central character or central story. So, you know, basically you just set something in here, um, you know, with this, these sort of factions and everything that already exist in the game. And, um, you know, you sort they they sort of, you know, we have you have free reign on what you want to do as far as what the story is about and who who it's about. Um, you know, it just has to fit in. We're we're starting with a four issue mini series, which you know, hopefully we'll we'll expand out to more later. Um, but what what we ended up settling on doing is I wanted to do something that you know would have a, a satisfying uh, punch in four issues. So that's it's this uh, sort of race story where um, it's about this brother and sister who are uh, the daughters of sort of this daughter and son of this legendary pirate who um, get this map to where his, his greatest treasure is and uh, you know they, they both want it for themselves so they're you know putting together their own crews and um, sabotaging each other and um, you know fighting and stealing and, and whatever else they have to do to get to the treasure first um, you know, while stumbling through all these uh, crazy battles and, and mystical things that are creeping around the Sea of Thieves. So you've got everything from, uh, you know, undead pirates to uh, underwater creatures and um, all sorts of other, you know, factions coming in. So it's, uh, it's, it's really fun because it's, the challenge was like we introduced two four-character crews. So it's like, eight characters that we have to introduce and tell a four-issue story in, um, all within that space. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, I think what we wanted to do is, like, just go as quick as possible. You know, get everybody in there, get it rolling, get everybody up to speed as quickly as we could, and, um, you know, just have a ball with it. And, you know, we've got, I've got two issues of it written already, and I'm getting, you know, pencils and stuff in for issue one, and it's, it's a lot of fun so far, and I think it's going to be, you know, a real, a real ball for people to read those uh, that four issue story, um, and just have sort of this raucous good time with it. Awesome! It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. And that starts next month, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll start up in March. Okay. Yeah, that's when the the game releases as well, so it's a nice uh, nice timing. That does not seem uh, coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. 
Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was really uh, lucky for us that the game got pushed back. It was originally supposed to be coming out in January, and uh, like I was getting instructions fairly slowly at first, and I was like, all right, guys, this is going to be out in January. We got to <laughs> gotta get rolling. And they were like, oh, no, no, I got moved to March. And I was like, oh, whew, okay. Um, <laughs> never mind. Take your time. <laughs> yep, everyone can breathe again. That's right. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, that is all I've got coming up in my notes, unless I missed anything. Uh, I do want to. I do want to mention Unstoppable Wasp just because we've talked about it so many times on the show. So much. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it ended up in both of Alex and mine. At least I, I can't remember exactly somewhere in our top three for both of us. It was. I think my it was. One I think it probably was. Yeah. It was such a wonderful run. Thank you. Yeah, it's is a ball to write. In fact, uh, speaking of coming up, like the the second trade of that um, is coming out, I think February twenty eighth. Um, it's uh, kind of horrible timing for me because it comes out the day I'm already at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, uh, so <laughs> I can't get any copies of it to take with me there. Um, but yeah, it'll be it wraps it up. It's got issues five through eight in there, and then I think some more. Backup origin wasp stuff too, um, but yeah, it's it was a lot of fun to write. It was something that like you know the character was more or less brand new when they brought her to me and you know said you know we want to do a story with we want to do a series with this character. What would you do? And basically, you know, with a, with a few slight changes, what I pitched off the bat is what ended up being you know the first six issues of that story. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun to read. Too, um, it was a big surprise for me. Like, I'd seen the mm-hmm. character in uh, all new, all different Avengers, and I grabbed the first issue out of curiosity more than more than anything. So if I, I'm yes. being honest, and just immediately was wowed by it. Uh, I've actually got a page of it hanging over my fireplace of the last issue. Um, but it was it was a, such a fun book, and the thing I really love about what you did with that character is, and this is I guess just the part of the the show where I gush, um, <laughs> is just the the optimism of always wanting to see the best in everyone, always wanting to find that nonviolent cooperative solution that benefits everyone, which. Especially, I think, when that first issue came out was something I was hurting for in comics, just not seeing much of it all. And I was, it was like an oasis in a desert, just so refreshing to see someone try to solve problems with anything but her fists. Yeah, I think, you know, especially last January, I think it was a frustrating time for a lot of people. And I think having having some some stuff to be optimistic about and having this, you know, sort of beacon of, of, of hope in that character, I think, uh, was, was what drew me to her and what drew me to want to tell that kind of story. Um, you know, cause it's, it's tough. Like, you know, I think the... I think the draw is... And, and a lot of people had this complaint about the comic when it came out is, you know, you see this character who has all this, you know, training, all this ability, has this ability to beat people up and, uh, you know, kill people if she wants to. 
um, and and see her not make that choice. See her, you know, intentionally make a different choice um, is is I don't know. It's so interesting and, and vital to me. Like that was something I really wanted to get across, and I think is a characteristic that I don't always necessarily share. Like. Nadia was is difficult to write sometimes because I don't think I'm either as smart or as optimistic as she is. Um, but but she's so, kind of who you want to be, right? Yeah, I think um, you know in the in the all new Avengers uh, story that I wrote with Mark, that's you know about her and Janet. Um, I think Janet kind of says that, like, and uh, yeah, I think she might say that again in issue eight. Is is you know you want Nadia to succeed. You want to be able to be like Nadia. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to do. It's harder to do than, you know, being the person that does punch people and does, um, you know, get that call to action is, you know, getting that call to action and, and not jumping in, not assuming who the people on the other side are and, you know, doing well, what I've always loved about you know Wonder Woman when she's written really well, which is you know reaching out to that other person first and seeing, you know, if there's any other way to solve this. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then it's in Avengers right now. It's kind of breaking my heart just because that relationship you established between her and Jarvis just I, I can't. I, I love that so much. Yeah, the the seeing her at his at his bedside is just heartbreaking, and so much of that trades on what happened in in, in your book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that Mark is still in my ideas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess it's, what it is is Nadi had such a voice. I can't see her with any other voice than than what you gave her right now. Yeah, I think it's. It's a difficult voice to write in, less so for me than for Joe Caramagna, who had to letter the book, um, <laughs> because she is so talkative and she's so excitable. And, like, you know, it was one of those things where, like, I would look at the script and I'd be like, oh, we could cut this chunk out of there. It's not vital information, but it's it's being there is vital. Like, the fact that mm-hmm. Nadia says these things and that Nadia, you know, just makes friends with people on the street. These things are important um, about her and yeah I think you know that relationship with with her and and Jarvis is important because I think Jarvis has had so many relationships with people like Hank and Tony who um, you know are are ultimately not always optimistic people who um, you know are are often sort of falling to their own faults, um, you know, to have somebody there that uh, has this, you know, level of excitement for what they're doing and all that is, you know, something that I think tends to change you as a character when you're, you know, in his spot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's, I don't know, it was, it was one of my favorite books last year and, I don't know. I don't love for there to, for there to have been more, but I'll take what I can get. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to write more as well. I mean, you know, I've I took sort of every opportunity I could to write her when when 
I had it because you know we had the eight issues of that, and then the one issue of, of all new Avengers, and then the two issues of Avengers I got to co with Mark, which was that was really a ball because writing Nadia and, and Doctor Doom and having the same space was uh, that was great. Oh, those <laughs> but, those uh, issues were hilarious, and just the idea that of course she'd be a groupie to Doom because he's a brilliant scientist, and right. that is what she's about is. Like, unexpected, but also makes perfect sense for that character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love... I had a lot of people... I know a lot of people didn't like this in Avengers that, you know, Mike... So, or, sorry, Mark started this uh, you know thing with her not liking Spider-Man. Um, and I kind of love that. Yeah. Because that is such... That is so perfect for Spider-Man. Because, like, she's the nicest, most optimistic person <laughs> in the world. And, of course... <laughs> Even she doesn't like Peter. But, but like, she likes everybody, right? <laughs> well, and yeah. they're both so alike in so many ways. That, and this is something I'm guilty of. Like, sometimes the people who rub me most the wrong way are the people who are the most like me. Like, that yeah. is something that really, I don't know, just made complete sense to me. Yeah, it kind of rings true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's always something with me in, in characters and comics. The the characters in comics that I always go, oh, this guy. Now, the people that I know are like me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always, like, looking at the X-Men. I'm not a Wolverine. I'm a Cyclops. Like, I know I am. Cyclops sucks. So lame. <laughs> uh, hear that? Hear that? I'm not the only one who thinks Cyclops sucks. No, he, we, we've talked about this before. He's severely he mistreated is what he is. <laughs> Scott Bummers. <laughs> it's like, ultimately, I know, like, I'm the guy that makes those kind of decisions. I'm, you know, I'm the I'm the guy that's going to jump in there and try to lead a team that doesn't really want a leader. Like, um, you know, that's, that makes that makes sense to me, which is also why, like, I see him do stuff in the comics. I'm like, oh, Scott, you dummy. What are you doing? <laughs> I can tell you how that's going to end. Gah. Not going to work out. But, yeah, every once in a while... He does something in comics that surprised me, and I'm like, "All right, Scott, maybe you're okay after all." Yeah. The whole, the whole chunk of uh, you know, going back again, Whedon's astonishing X-Men run. I was like, "Scott Summers is pretty cool." All right. Yeah that that run is good to Scott. Mm-hmm. I will I will agree with you on that. And that yeah, Scott shoots shoots a guy in the head in that run. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wait, the, then the run ends. Yes, <laughs> Scott's back to yes. <laughs> Well, I think that's we're knocking on an hour, so I think that's everything I've got in my notes. I'll, I do have one other question, unless one of you has one first. No, go for it. Yeah, you can go ahead. All right. Um, this is me. This is me. And if if you don't want to answer this, we can just cut this this little bit. Uh, but you tweeted out yesterday or day before that you wanted in publishing outtakes. Where you publish a script, a draft of a script, and the editorial conversation that leads to it getting changed, and mention you've had a few doozies. Are there any of those you can tell us about? Um, so, <laughs> um, there's a. Okay, so in Vampirella, in, in uh, issue nine, there is a, there's a sex scene. Um, you know, it, it's mostly sort of like it, it sets it up and cuts away to black. And then, like, there's a point in one of the upcoming issues where, like, there's a, a flashback to that scene. And um, 
I got the I got the script page the other day, and um, like I was I was not sure. You know, I, I was I was sure going into writing Vampirella that there was some point where I was going to have to be like, yeah, there's a ridiculous thing going on with boobs in this thing, or you know, I was going to have to be like. This outfit doesn't make any physical sense. It should be falling <laughs> off. Um, yeah, but, like, the weirdest thing was I, I got this page, and um, it sort of it has a flashback to this scene where, you know, uh, sort of Vampirella is on, on top of Vicky, and Vicky has her, her legs wrapped around her. And um, in the, the art in this one, um, Vicky... Uh, has, has her feet sort of behind Vampirella, and um, she's wearing what look like um, loafers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the most unsexy shoe. <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I wrote to Kevin, my editor, and I was like, so this is going to seem weird. I don't want to seem like I'm being extra picky, and I know this is like a one-panel thing, but... <laughs> What's with Vicky's sex loafers? <laughs> sex loafers. Oh, God. Sex loafers. Oh, God. She's wearing boots in the scene previous to this. Quick change. It's my know, thing. Don't worry. I don't necessarily think she has to be wearing the boots. Oh, see, what they didn't tell you, Jeremy, is that in uh, in May, they're coming out with merchandising, which is Vampirella sex loafers. So oh, that's I want you to know I would I would buy those. Yeah. They actually go really well with the Fifty Shades sex jeans. Dom um, jeans. All right, now you've ruined it. Yes, you now did. Now you've ruined it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so Kevin, my editor, thought that uh, sex loafers were hilarious, and... Um, <laughs> Which led to me writing a, a a commercial for sex loafers in my email. Yes, uh, just all the various reasons you might need sex loafers. It's, it's you know, it's about grip and uh, you know, very various other issues that loafers could solve. You know, oh, so not exactly foot fungus. You know, if you if your feet get cold, uh, you, know, you need to have those depending on have the, the sex loafers around. So the merchandising, I wasn't all that far off, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, that that does need to be in the back matter for that trip. <laughs> that was great. Oh. Yeah. And there's, there's always, you know, weird things like that that you never know, like, when they're going to, you know, where they come from, how they end up in art, you know, just sort of what the thought process was. Um, and I, I always think it's interesting to sort of get those get those conversations going. And, uh, those are the things that never make it into, you know, trade collections at all. You might get scripts, you might get things like that, but uh, you never sort of get the the weird outtakes. <laughs> Which is just the greatest crime. That's, that's oh. That's wonderful. Because that's yeah, so good. <laughs> even like, you know, I'm, I'm on a sort of string of, of, you know, emails that go out every time, you know, new Marvel comics come out that, uh, you know, a lot of the writers get, you know, comps of, of comics, and it's always interesting. People will pick up on something and, you know, send an email back out to the entire chain. Like, everybody was really, um, everybody was really in love for a while with, like, when they title stuff, it has to be, you know, something that'll fit in the little, uh, you know, thing they send off to the printer, so it can only be so many letters. Um, so everything has abbreviations, and, um, 
everybody was really fascinated with uh, all new Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, the uh, the name for it there was Angargal. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so, like it's just a series of emails going around about what Angargal was <laughs> and um, what it could possibly mean. And uh, if if you look at several books that came out a few months after All New Guardians of the Galaxy started up, you'll see the word Angargal show up in comics. Um, <laughs> that's nice. Awesome. There's, uh, I think there's, I think the first time I saw it is there's an issue of uh, Rocket Raccoon where uh, he's he's offered two drinks. One is a Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster, and the other nice. one is an Angargal. Um, yes, yes, I know that issue. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was reading it, and I was like, oh my god. Like, eight people in the world know what that joke is. <laughs> I remember reading that and thinking, I'm not one of the people who knows what this joke yes. is. Nope. Like, Pen Galactic Gargle Blaster, that I have. Yeah, that yeah. everybody, yeah, a lot of people get that one. Gold brick to the face, got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's always a lot of fun. There's weird little things. I think we had a couple of um, weird little outtakes like that with... Uh, uh, Thor versus Hulk, as we were doing that as well, um, because that was that, that's an interesting process because that book was moving fast and had two art teams, uh, both of which were in other countries that uh, are not you know native English speaking countries. So there were some occasional uh, strange interpretations of things that came through in the art, and it's like ah, that's not what that means. But. <laughs> Let's go back and clarify. <laughs> uh, see stories like that. I could I could take another hour recording. I know this right? thing too. Yeah, and I mean, Thor versus Hulk was such a, a weird thing to begin with because we sort of like it's not really in continuity, and um, we well, it's sort of in this weird like eternal Marvel continuity where. You know, all the characters are alive, and everything. Everybody is at that point that you remember them. It's that platonic <laughs> yeah. ideal yeah. of Marvel. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, it was it was coming out in the run up to the movie, and um, you know when we sort of uh, when I got asked about doing it, I was talking to my editor Alana, and I was like, "So we have Thor and Hulk fighting, and uh, I assume this is not like one armed wielding an axe, Thor and Hulk, who is currently dead." Um, <laughs> yeah, because that, that's like, not gonna, no, no, that's no. gonna be a hard fight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Thor's gonna win. He's <laughs> um, <laughs> like, oh no, it's sort of you know the the eternal Avengers assemble timeline of, of these characters. Um, it was just fun because then we got to, got to introduce our our own uh, uh, elder of the universe and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, nice. The promoter. <laughs> yeah, the promoters. I think one of the favorite one of my favorite things I've, I've created and doing anything for other people's stuff because it started out as a very like vague idea of like the champion's an idiot. Like we can't have him setting up <laughs> the like cool stuff in this story, so we need to have somebody to deliver like fun fun lines and introductions and things like that. And I was like, well, what if this person is, you know. Somehow, somehow important. And at one point, we were like, "Well, what if it's actually Loki playing a trick?" And it's like, "But 
this character we ended up coming up with in the promoter is so interesting that we were like, no, we're not going to have Loki in this story. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, we want this guy to be real, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the idea of, you know, you've got, you got the, the champion who is the most, like, he's the most pro-wrestling thing in the Marvel Universe in the first place. He's just the strongest guy who just goes around challenging other people to fights. Um, and, like, why would that guy not have a promoter? Like, and somebody that just, you know, his job is to show up and be like, strongest dude in the universe he is. About to, about to kill all you guys. Who wants to fight him? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you... Jen's making a face. What's oh, this? no. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that's a I want to say something face or an, I'm waiting for you to say something. No, face. I'm going to ask my okay. uh, my question that I always ask. Uh, what is your favorite sound effect to write? Ooh. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, I thought you meant it was ooh. Oh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What is the sound of two sex loafers squeaking together? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, you know, I, I've, always been, I've always been fascinated with uh, the various different versions of Crack-a-thum. Um, yeah. Like, nice. I remember I had not realized that this was a thing. I just sort of read it in comics until, like, a couple of years ago, I, I picked up the, um, the Death of Superman again and was reading through that. And literally, like, every time Doomsday punches something, it's <laughs> some version of Crack-a-Doom or Crack-a-Thoom or Crack-a-Cack-a-Doom. Um, <laughs> the more, more extreme it is, uh, the better. I also like sound effects that are just uh, the thing that's happening. Like, uh, I've used the sound effect headbutt various times in my... Yes. <laughs> Raven. Um, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I stole that from Jim Zub because I'm I'm pretty sure he did that in uh, issues of uh, Skull Kickers, and I was like, "That's funny. I'm going to do that." Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my question is: any any period of historical, any IP, any publisher, anything. If you could write one character, who would you most want it to be? Which character would you want to write? Uh, um, it's a good question. I think, I mean, I've, I've gotten to write briefly some of those characters that I that would be on that list. Like, I would like to write more Misty Knight, but I've written a couple of stories with Misty Knight in them. Um, she's one of my one of my favorites. Um, I think. Mm, I'd really like to write a good. I'd really like to write a good Wonder Woman story. Yeah, that's something that would really. She really appeals to me, and I think there are. There's a pretty clear line between people that I, I think get Wonder Woman, people that I think don't get Wonder Woman. Yes. yes. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the people that fit on the second side of that line write Wonder Woman. Um, mm-hmm. so like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd really like to write a good Wonder Woman story at some point. I think, uh, yeah, I don't have, I, I feel, 
I feel weird in that I don't feel like I have uh, much particular interest in writing a Batman story. Like, I feel like it's been a lot of Batman stories. Um, but I'd like, I always like to see characters who I don't think get the attention they deserve uh, do stuff. So, you know, I, I'd like to do um, you know, some stuff with some of the more interesting characters that often get put in the background. Like, I'd, I'd like to do a Vixen story at DC. Um, I'd love to do a Black Canary story at some point. Um, I really, I really love Moonstone at Marvel. It's like just a detestable villain. And I'd love to write a story with like her as the main character. Um, because yeah, I mean, we did, I, I got to, you know, pull her into an issue of, of Thor versus Hulk. And that was a lot of fun because I like characters who's bad guys. Who's like the, the entire extent of their power isn't punching things. It's about manipulating people and, you know, knowing how to, really mess with people who are heroes where, you know, Marvel, the Marvel universe is full of imperfect heroes having villains that know how to, you know, work those issues. I think it works much better than having villains punch real hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a lot of fun and anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you again. Heck yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just let me know anytime. Sure thing. All right. Um, and I guess we'll cut back to future us talking. Is there anything that you oh. want to plug? Oh, that's or... a better thing to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, uh, like I said, the, the trade of, un- the second trade of Unstoppable Wasp comes out on February 28th. Uh, the actual physical collection of Thor versus Hulk uh, we'll be out in March, um, I think on the 20th. It's the first time that'll be anywhere other than Comixology. So hopefully uh, people who don't have access or don't like digital comics will finally get to read it. Um, sea of Thieves starts up again in March. Uh, the fourth volume of Raven just came out. Uh, and the fifth volume is about to start up. And then uh, the sixth volume of Princess is out as well. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. People go buy these good, good books. I think I will buy all of these because I love reading all of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, yeah. And obviously two more issues of Vampirella coming out uh, this month in in March. Yeah. And then uh, we'll have a a, a wonderful, bloody conclusion to that story. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And now we're back from our conversation last night with Jeremy Whitley. (laughs) (laughs) Now you can say, say it. Say it. Something, something, sex loafers? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get me some of them sex loafers. Well, the, the good news is it's going to be merchandise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tweet at him asking where those are. It's not really <laughs> no, going to be merchandise. It's not really going to be merchandise. No. That's no. just in my own deluded mind. Yeah. But if you do, if you do want to, to make some Jeremy Whitley themed purchases, there is a lot of princeless you can go out and get. That's yes. right. Which These, is all fun to read. Yes. Everything he just Everything told you he about. Just told you about. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Go, just, Princeless, just Raven, Wasp. Thor versus Ragnarok. Thor, Thor versus Thor Hulk. Thor versus Hulk. Yeah, Champions yeah. of Champions, the Universe. Whatever it was. Yeah. Sorry. You, uh, the Sea of Pirates comic coming up. Sea of right. Thieves. Sea of Thieves. 
Yeah. She pirates. <laughs> We're real good at this thing, you guys. Oh. Uh, just, like, just go get Jeremy Whitley's books. Yeah. Just do a do go, quick Google search. Yeah. Get them all. His name, did he just tell you to go get it? Go get it. Yeah, because it's all good. It, it is all good. It is all very good. All right. That is it for this week. That's right. Uh, sorry, past me who said this wouldn't be two hours long. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so now we're all laughing at him like he told us to. But it was a real fun interview. So there's yeah. that. All right. We'd like to thank again Jeremy Whitley for yes, coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, as well as The Fish Who Saved the Planet for use of our theme music, The Spontaneous Elk Reunion. And Chase Parker for our voiceover. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Play, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, or whatever podcatcher you use. If you're not, tweet at us. We'll fix it. That's right. Uh, or on our website at panelologypodcast.com, where you can go to find out how to follow us on Twitter, to send us questions, which I haven't mentioned in a while. Uh, if you've been enjoying us having people on go, rate and review us on iTunes, share us with friends, help us uh, be able to keep doing that. We've got a couple more people planned in the queue coming up so uh that's not going anywhere anytime soon but go do those things i just said anyway that's right yeah um and we are mentioning the patreon yes yeah yeah yeah, we have a new thing um we have a patreon account because you know we we do this show completely out of pocket we don't get paid for any sort of advertisement anything and we would like to keep it ad free if at all possible you know the exception of us talking about rocks every week well yeah but that's like that's a fun challenge for us that's right at this point it kind of is yes yeah fucking hell um so if you like what we do and you want to be a part of what we do and you want more of what we do check out our patreon think about shooting us about i hate asking for money this is so it's so and it's it's and honestly like like <laughs> all all we're looking to do is like pay for the board that we want you know the soundboard and like you know just some yeah kind of t- honestly to keep the show going right, right yeah. hey, i have no problem with this one yeah if you can't because no you, big deal right. don't worry about it if you can even a dollar adds up among That's people right. and Every basically hour to two hours of this show we do each week is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50, 60 hours of reading time and pre-production and post-production mm-hmm. from all of us. So, yeah. Uh, plus, you know, we all buy our own comics each week. We pay for equipment. We pay for licensing. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the show, and we don't mind doing it. But if you are so inclined and have the means, thank you. Yeah, in the end, yeah. we're going to keep doing it because we love it, period. Yeah. But we would like for it to be better. But if you also love it or even just like it, then yeah. you can let us know. That's right. That'd be great. Yep. Any help would be appreciated. That's right. Yes. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. You and your sex loafers. No.